All right. So I am really kind of like unprofessional with my podcast. I just hit record. Sweet. And then we just get straight into yep. it. All good. So I'm super excited about this because this is the first podcast, the first mail that I've had on our AWPT podcast, which is almost awesome because we are trying to get more male coaches to do our coaching course, right? Because yep. as a male, you don't necessarily have the personal experience, but you definitely have that professional experience when it comes to training fe- females. So, uh, Oran McCauley, did Macquarie, I get... yeah, yeah. Macquarie, yeah. which is definitely <laughs> Irish. Yeah, 100%. And we can tell by the accent already <laughs> that he's Irish. Um, so, give us a bit of a background. Like, when did you get to Australia and how did you sort of get into the fitness coaching space? So, I've been a coach since 2010. Um I did my sports science degree at Liverpool John Moores in 2006, so I graduated there in 2009. While I was there, I did a just normal gym instructor, what is the level three, level two there, which is the level three over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just worked in a gym, and it was really cushy coming out of uni. I got to sit behind a desk, like literally read sports news all day, and occasionally somebody would come in, ask for a program, you'd write them a quick gym program, show them how to work a few machines. And it was a government job, so it was pretty decent. It was more than minimum wage, and it was pretty decent. So I was kind of like, this is cushy. Like, I'm happy enough for this, to be fair. Um, and then one of, my, one of my colleagues there said, do you want to go to Belfast and study twice a week to do PT? And I was like, I don't really want to be a PT. That's like, I seen that as like a Hollywood thing, like celebrity trainers. I was like, oh, I don't know if there's a market for it. Yeah. Um, but I went and did it just to support him. And then... Um, <laughs> haven't looked back since so I've been a coach since 2010 yeah um moved from back home in Ireland to Glasgow in 2014 where I then met my wife at the gym got married in 2017 um and unfortunately personal trainer isn't on the list for visa visas over here so uh I couldn't have come over apart from my wife who got sick of the Scottish weather and Mm -hmm. decided that we were going to move um, so she decided on Perth, and uh, we've been here since 2018, and loving life. So set up for, for life, hopefully. So Amazing. And so, like, why Perth? Because, I mean, I'm not originally from Perth, but, you know, ended up here somehow. Yeah. So, because usually it's, like, Sydney or Melbourne or, like, the big cities, but little old Perth over here often gets forgotten. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we, we ruled out Sydney because we've seen that as, like, the London of mm. Australia. It's going to be too 100%. busy, too much hustle and bustle. Um, we considered Melbourne for about five seconds until we looked up the weather. <laughs> the weather yeah. And then we were like, okay, that's kind of not why we're going to move to get more rain than other states. So it was really between Brisbane and Perth. And obviously it wasn't my visa. So I let it up, left it up to my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she started looking up jobs and she kind of, we settled on Brisbane a little bit. And I started researching gyms, had stuff lined up for when we came over. And then she decided last minute to come to Perth. She'd found a company, DB Dental, over here who have loads of practices. Uh, They had a tradition of employing British dentists because of the quality of education there. So she was like, listen, I think we're keen on Perth. Um, And then a week after, or like in that month after, 
I started following all the local supplement stores and gyms and everything else, lined up a few interviews. And then I seen Doherty's was opening in Perth. And I was like, that's the one gym that I considered moving to Melbourne for. Yeah. And suddenly it was like, are you telling me they're opening in Perth and we've got the weather and Doherty's gym? Like, I was <laughs> like, perfect. this is the jackpot. And I can yeah. still remember I was training in the gym and I think I was chest pressed and I literally put the dumbbells down between my set and was just scrolling, just keeping up with clients or whatever on Instagram. And... I was like, I need to message these guys right now. Like, this needs to happen. Um, and, yeah, the rest is history. Like, came over and started working there and just built built the business up from there. Yeah, Doherty's is the OG, huh? Yeah, it's yeah. great. I remember the same thing kind of happening for me. It was with, um, I'm not sure if you know, but Base Body Babes over in Sydney. Yes, Base yeah. Body and Australian Strength Coach. Yeah, they literally, I was literally scrolling Instagram. I'd come back from... Japan, I think I was working in. Yeah. And yeah, just saw that they had an ad there and went in and, and got the job. Amazing. And yeah, it was such a great time. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love Perth for the weather. Like it's... Can't like, be we it. haven't had a bad day this summer, really. Yeah, it's like, great. Maybe one or two, but yeah, it's insane. It, it literally like sets your soul alight. Yep. I can imagine. I've been to Scotland. I've been to Ireland. Yeah. I can imagine it's like dreary. So no plans to go back? No, not even these past two years when we've had no family here and obviously two young kids. And yeah. we thought, like I always thought in the back of my mind, like my missus might get homesick and that might be the reason why we might need meet, need to move home. But mm -hmm. if we can survive these past two years seeing no family, we know we can get by when we can see they can visit us again and we can go back and see them maybe once or twice a year. Yeah. We'll be able to stay here forever at that rate, knowing that we've survived these two years with COVID, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so you've been at Doherty's for how long now? Four years. So they opened February 2018. So I landed January 2018, the month after that, so start of February, I think it was the 2nd of February maybe, they opened their doors and yeah. I've been there. It's only literally me and Renee in that gym who are their OG trainers the OG who are trainers. still still there, you know. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And so how, because you've transitioned a little bit more online now as yeah. well, haven't you? Yeah. So 100%. has that been sort of a progressive thing over time or did you make the decision to do that? Um, It's, I guess it's... Something I've always done. So when I moved from back home to Glasgow in 2014, there were some people who were like, listen, I still want to get trained by you, but like, I don't know who to go to around here. I want to get trained by you. How can we make it work? So back then it was emails every week. You may be the first ever client I had. I'd jump on a Skype call every week. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of grew from there. So by the time I got over here, I still had, you know, 10 to 20 online clients to keep me going while I got set up here. Mm. And then it just kind of grew and it got to the stage where when COVID happened, I was doing 25, 30 sessions a week in the gym, PT, plus I think I had 50 online clients at that stage. Wow. And I didn't realize, but I was kind of burnt out. Mm. Like it, I'm probably one of the only person who like, I didn't think COVID was going to be a big thing. But so I was like, I will happily take this lockdown a week or two. Mm -hmm. Like, let's let's just have it. I get to sleep in for two weeks, yeah. move everyone online, short term. Um, but it took that for me to realize that I was probably just overworking mm -hmm. and that I I enjoy the online element because you can, you can work with more people. Like, what might take you an hour, you could really impact four people's lives with check-ins and anything they might need versus one hour PT session. Like, four people versus one, I would rather do the online for that scalability and the ability to help more people obviously so um 
yeah, I'm still doing probably more PT than I would <laughs> need to be doing, but yeah. it's an element that I enjoy and I'll never really give up. Yeah. But the online is, I think, where I really thrive and with the systems and things that I get, people seem to be supported and really enjoying the results that they get, so... Yeah, for sure. I think COVID opened a lot of people's eyes to the impact that you can have online because it is, you're creating an impact because you are able to reach more people and you're able to reach more people from all over. So you have a diversity of people as well, which is really, really cool. Yeah, And I think, yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, the the fitness industry is saturated or the online fitness industry is saturated. And I don't necessarily think so. Like, maybe the six-week program industry is saturated. Imagine all those people that are doing those programs, like thousands and thousands of people, spread them out across like the online trainers that are up and and coming. Like some people think that uh, moving into the online space like is really competitive and really hard now. So they, you know, these these face-to-face clients kind of like are scared to do that and are scared to sort of take that step. So I think like with anything like COVID, there's been a lot more emergence of this online training and programming. Um, But I definitely think there is still like a component for that face-to-face as well, for that face-to-face connection. Yeah. Do you find that your clients are just, they don't want you to go? Is that why? It's like... No, we still want to see you in person. Yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. Like, I think every, every client has a life cycle, right? So whether they're one-to-one or online, they're only going to stay with you for so long. So mm-hmm. if you're making your decision not to go online because you think, oh, well, I can't let down, you know, Mary and Sally and all these clients I have in the gym, they're, they're eventually going to leave you anyway. And mm. it's, they're, they're no more secure. Like the clients one-to-one can leave you just as quick as the clients online. But what you've got to focus on with both, which is a huge component, obviously, of being a good coach, is actually coaching and actually looking at how can I get Mary the best result possible, whether it's online or one-to-one. It doesn't really matter. And to be honest, like a, lo- a lot of time, the client doesn't care about the deliverables. They don't care about the FaceTime. If I could snap my fingers now and say, Mary, I'm going to make you lose 10 kilos in the next 12 weeks, don't, she doesn't give a shit about missing one session with me per week. Yeah. Like, it's the result that they care about. As long as they feel supported along the way, it doesn't matter. So if you're waiting to not, you, if you're waiting on going online because you think that your clients, like, you need to stay loyal to the clients and not let them down, they're always going to leave you eventually anyway. <laughs> or something's going to happen to force you to go online like COVID and then you're going to oh, wish yeah. you'd done it sooner. So I would say everyone should have an online component in some form mm. that then if the shit hit the fan and we ended up in a COVID scenario again, that you're supported then and you can just say, hey guys, we're moving everyone back online because of this, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think like, you know, speaking of these female names, like you're predominantly training females. Is that correct? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I meant to run the numbers before I came down, yeah. but uh, I think it's probably about 75%, yeah. 70, 75% female based. And there's still a few couple of guys who obviously can still get guys awesome results delivering. They see them serve as just a different way of programming and working with them and actually coaching them in terms of the, the conversation you have to have and maybe how you treat them. Mm. Um, but... They're, they come because they want to be like me, whereas I like to coach females. I actually don't know why I like to coach females more. Um, Do you think they were just attracted more to you? Like you just 
gained more female clients for some Potentially. reason? Maybe it's just my personality because in the gym, like, I am quite approachable. Like, I might have a bit of a resting bitch face at times <laughs> like the rest of us. We but do, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess because I, like, I'm a family man. I've got, I'm married with two kids. Yeah. I'm not like the sleazy sort of male coach that traditionally women are, are scared of. Yeah. That maybe they were just more approachable. The team is more approachable. And then as I built more, they're like, oh, that girl's training with him, that girl's training with him, that girl's training with him. And then eventually more females came in. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's something about me, something to do with my marketing. But recently this year, I've just, like last year, I've just decided I'll still take on both, but I'm not advertise or market towards meals with my content i'll throw up the odd before and after of a guy but my main thing is females and getting the most of them and hence why i'm actually considering doing your courses this year as well to further the knowledge um specifically on how i can help them with everything in in that space yeah i think that's so important because i think it is still like we are seeing more female coaches in the industry but i think it's still a male-dominated industry in terms of coaches whereas it's more so women who are seeking those coaches it's more so women who want to get personal training I think so more than males necessarily because they kind of just think oh I can do it myself I just go into the gym and I lift weights don't necessarily need a trainer or a coach Um, but females you know they want to learn the technique they want to learn how to lift safely and properly and oftentimes as well it's a thing about gym anxiety it's like I don't feel safe going into the gym and going into like, you know, the male section. Like I was kind of the same, whereas like the fitness first that I've trained in since like I've had a membership for 10 years. I'm not even (laughs) in Sydney anymore, (laughs) but I still kept my membership. Um, It had sections, like it had like the weight section, the cardio section and like, you know, that little in-between section with the machines that's like a little bit safe, not the free weight section. So I think as well, like, it is super important for you know male coaches to be educating themselves on how to train females because there are certain differences when it comes to training and program. Not that we have to train a program different, but there are considerations. Yeah, obviously, like with the the physiology and things like that. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So, what's your experience like? What's in your experience like? What have you found to be some of the main differences? Whether it's like study that you've done or intuitively when you are coaching females as opposed to males yeah i guess there's two two camps here there's like the whole resurgence in the you know women are not just small men camp which i think is true but then it leads to the whole thought that you know women need to go to a specialized female coach who understands females and everything in between maybe because i'm males like that's coming across but like I think that you need to be aware of the physiology and the changes and actually be aware of the emotional consideration of hormones and fluctuations and how that may affect their mood during the month, as well as the the physiological changes in terms of, you know, hunger um, and everything else that might come along with it. You've just got to coach the female, like, and you can still coach a female. A female might love to train like a man traditionally, like, where lots of heavy lifts, decently long rest, whereas other females might love to superset and, you know, take very little rest. And in my opinion, like, well, what I've found over the years is women can normally cope with less rest than men. And I don't know how whether that is, like, an exa- we mentioned the gym anxiety earlier. I don't know whether that's a mental component of 
right, I'm just standing around here, I'm anxious, I'll just do another set. I don't know whether that plays into it or whether it's that they literally are just user-built for childbirth, right? User-built to go mm. through a fucking lot with Endurance, your body. Right? Yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> They don't call it labor for no reason. Exactly, no right? Reason. My wife was talking yesterday. She was like yeah. comparing her cousin's partner's one-hour labor versus her 12-hour. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's, it's a shit-long time, right? Like, yeah. Like, you are built to do magnificent things with your body, mentally and physically. Like, you've got to be mentally strong for that. So you can handle um, the same type of training as a guy, but you also can probably recover a lot faster. And that's something that I find over the years. But within that, I guess we can't also pigeonhole where, oh, all females must need 30 seconds rest or, you know, females should be training like guys and taking two, three minutes rest to lift as heavy as possible. There's probably going to be an element of both, and it's also very person-dependent, and that's what you learn about the person over time, I guess, from good initial consult forms, conversations with them about what's worked in the past, and then just tweaking that as it goes so it's not set in stone of, oh, right, you've got two minutes rest here, and then all of a sudden you, it has to stay like that. You know, you can change it all of a sudden and just be like, okay, 30 seconds rest now because I think – You'll do better if you're not you're not waiting around. Just get short, sharp workouts, and potentially like a a time anxiety. I was training a client today, and she just moved to two minutes rest, and she's loving it. Yeah. And one thing she said was, "Yeah, maybe like I used to like rush through things as a like an anxiety thing or a gym anxiety thing, and it might be the case. But in, unless you coach that person, and unless you actually see what the impact is and I also try these things like I don't know how two minutes rest is gonna go with with that client and, and she's probably listening to this because she told me she was gonna but um <laughs> it, that two minute rest could have went down a shit storm and she might have said I hate standing about this long I can't do it I don't feel like I'm not getting as much done but until mm. you try it you don't know so I guess you've got to coach the person and you've got to be willing to maneuver left or right depending on the feedback that they're giving you right hundred percent. I absolutely love that answer because that's something that we do discuss in AWPT. It's that you coach the person. So it's not like there's a specific way to program or way to coach women versus men. Yep. It's like literally look at the individual. And it's also amazing that you brought up about the rest periods and the recovery and, you know, having fewer rest and being able to uh, handle like higher intensity for higher volume because that's actually... Like there's a thing, like there's a reason behind that. There's physiology behind that and why yeah. we can do that. So that's super cool that, that you've just picked that up in your experience of training women um, because, you know, your professional experience shouldn't be discounted. Like I have, you know, I've spoken to some male coaches who are like, oh, you don't need to train women different to men and it's all like everyone's the same. Well, it's like not everyone's the same. Like even, you know, woman to woman is different like it's yeah. not specifically like you know some women have different cycles for example like yeah. her cycle the way one woman experiences her cycle might not be the same as another woman experiences her cycle and even within that same woman she might not experience her cycle the same month to month yeah. like if there's menstrual cycle dysfunctions and things going on 
then it may not be like, okay, this week is your follicular phase. So you're going to be starting to ramp up the intensity and ovulation, like you've got such high energy and you can push really hard. And then in the PMS phase, you're kind of like, eh, yeah. like sluggish. Like some women feel fine through their PMS phase and some yep. struggle around ovulation. So it really is down to the individual. So I love that you've picked that up as well. And in your experience, like you've been able to adapt for each client because it really is like about training the individual and and not just like another number like not just like grouping people into specific groups because you know you're 100% correct like they have different goals as well so some want to train real heavy and then you know you're going to need longer rest periods whereas like if you want to do hypertrophy training supersets and things like that You'll have shorter rest periods, but you won't necessarily be able to lift as heavy. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's super cool. Um, Just taking into consideration, like, the individual when it comes to to programming. Yeah. And I guess we could move on to, if you don't mind speaking about your wife, like, you know, she's gone through pregnancy. She's gone through childbirth. You have two beautiful girls. Now, how old are they? Uh, Evie is two and a half and Mabel uh, is just about to turn eight, eight months now. So oh, so very, very yeah. young. So you had, was that two under two? Does that make it uh, two No, two? it was just, just out of it, I think. Oh, yeah, okay. just out. Uh, Mabel was born on the 29th of June and Evie would have turned two on the um, 9th of July. Okay. So, yeah. So lucky if you just <laughs> missed yeah, out just on missed that, it, but yeah. it must be so hard for you still. Yeah, it's it's um, hard on sleep for sure. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, let's take the coach hat off for a second. Yep. And, like, being a husband and, you know, being a dad-to-be, watching your wife go through – what's her name, sorry? Esther. Esther. Watching her go through pregnancy, like, the considerations around um, – did she – have an active pregnancy was she yeah uh, she did she continue preg- uh, training during pregnancy probably just doing like a normal pretty pretty normal um weight space routine like a, a good life or whatever but she also got a lot into pilates both mm-hmm. pregnancies and in between both pregnancies as well so the reformer style of pilates as well yeah um and then at a certain stage through both pregnancies she probably would have made that jump where it's not safe to do the normal reformer classes. She would have had to went to the special yeah. specialized pregnancy classes. But yeah, she would have done that a couple of times a week, you know, and um, at reasonably well, I guess, during the time, you know. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, she definitely gravitated towards that style of training both times rather than gym-based. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, she would have, between both pregnancies when she was trying to get into her weight loss, probably would have done more gym-based stuff. Yeah. But definitely during the pregnancy, she went to that more reformer Pilates base. Yeah. And then as a as a husband, like watching her, were you intrigued by like the differences that a woman goes through through that stage of her life? It's definitely. Like the first one, it was like, it was crazy. <laughs> like even just looking back, I remember when she actually had the baby or close to the end, she was like, oh my God, look at the 36-week bump versus the 20-week bump. I felt like I was so big in the 20-week one. I was like, you were big at the time, right? <laughs> but it's like, that was the biggest we'd seen her, like with that bump. And then obviously that just accelerates and it gets like to a like huge, like the watermelon size bump, right? At the, yeah. at the end. And it's, um, yeah, it's interesting just to watch and see. And obviously 
there's so much that happens during the pregnancy. And I'm no means an expert on this, by the way, which is probably an important point. Somebody reached out to me on Instagram yesterday and was like, hey, are you like a, a postnatal expert? And I was like, well, I train women who have had babies and are recently there, but I'm no means an expert. So don't be afraid to actually say whenever like you're not fully qualified in something or yeah. like, yeah, you've got experience doing it, but I'm not like the best person ever right you know um and and i like don't discount that experience because literally like 85 percent of women will have a baby in their lifetime yeah and i'm sure you have women who maybe if you're not training them like directly postnatally you know they've come to you i don't know a couple of years down the track and they're still postnatal yeah, like they've 100%. still had babies they've still gone through yep. that and there can still be some residual effects from that as well if they haven't been rehabbed properly like I was just talking about this on the course this morning where one thing that when women come to me um, for coaching after yep. pregnancy is the first thing I ask them have you had your six-week checkup your six-week assessment yeah and from there you know they might say yes and then from there it's like did you have an internal examination yeah which not a lot of women have like they usually say no even there was a lady on the call this morning and she said she's had a baby three years ago which is like you know i feel like we should be more progressed yeah by now since then although it does take a long time for research to come out but having that internal examination to make sure the pelvic floor is okay you know yeah. It's so common for women to experience like bladder leakage and um, like prolapse and things like that or, or still having that ab separation like years and years and years down the track if it hasn't been rehabbed correctly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, those things can, can pop up and you've probably had to deal with them as well. You've probably had women who have come to you and said, look, like I had a baby this long ago and blah, 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 all this is going on. And so you have that professional experience to be able to um to use and, and and don't discount that because i think you know we talk about evidence-based practice all the time and like the scientific research but it's not just scientific research yeah it's also personal and professional experience yep. and um and the client's values when it comes down to evidence-based practice as well yeah yeah for sure so yeah um and so so she had like quite an active pregnancy she stepped it back a little bit which is, is smart she stepped more towards like the pilates reformer based yeah yeah uh, training and obviously there's considerations there when it comes to like pregnancy and pilates because and yoga especially as well because certain positions yeah um are not going to be ideal during pregnancy and <laughs> i guess if we can really go into it what was the birth like for you so like i just i just want to get your perspective on yeah, it like yeah. you know the way that you saw her go through that her experience of that and then also like the pregnancy and and beyond as well yeah so uh two completely different stories cuz the first time that it was 2019 when we first had Evie and Esther's mom was able to come over she was in the birth and suite well there's obviously there was no covid by then it came in what 20 2020 COVID mm -hmm. came. So um, I like obviously years and years of having mum as a support network. I was there as well, but mummy was there to look after her too. So I was kind of there to help. Mm -hmm. um, but the second time round, it was just me in there, right? We had to, we had a babysitter for Evie um, and I was the whole support network there. 
Uh, I think I did all right both times, to be fair, but it definitely was a different experience um, the second time round. But I think, like, like the length of a labor, like, how the contraction goes, like, how, like, just everything that interconnects on the day, like, it's kind of, a, it's a blur, of course, but... Yeah it's it's kind of magic to watch it and like see how everything goes and see how even they differ like the first time when we had evie when esther sat on the pilates ball to try to speed things along and whatever her contractions would just stop for whatever reason mm. um and then so she'd go like they'd be close enough together and then she'd sit on the ball and it would be like ages between these contractions and we're like what's going on yeah. um and it would really slow down we're like oh maybe we're not as close as we were but for some reason that was it and then the next time uh, we were sitting watching Happy Feet, I think, on Netflix with Evie while Esther bounced on the ball for most of the time. Yeah. And um, it was completely different in the sense that the ball helped a lot this time. It was the last first time it obviously hindered it and slowed it down nearly. Oh, yeah. um, and even just the, the whole experience of the length it takes, like, you know, how long it, like, did the waters pop? Did they not pop? Um how quickly after water's popping. Like, I remember the first time um, they were popped by the the midwife. Yeah. And second time, like, they popped while she was on the ball and it nearly, like, skirted. It was like, oh, God, what was that? You <laughs> know, because she hadn't experienced it the first time. Yeah. Um, and then with it, it was five minutes later, she was, like, baby was here within five minutes really? like after water's popped in, in the birthing suite. Wow. Whereas before it was, like, waiting and then had to get it um i don't know whether they call it scraping or whatever where they literally uh, penetrate it themselves mm-hmm. um but whatever they do like they had to induce that um and then after that it was probably another hour maybe whereas literally within five minutes um esther was just like yeah i need to push like within a couple of minutes after the water break and i was like you sure and then like literally a couple minutes later it was like mabel was here and wow. everything so yeah so it's it's definitely something to see and I think as a male coach if you're going to be working mainly with females like not that you have to see it don't go out and just get somebody pregnant just to <laughs> witness this that would be completely we don't wrong that. yeah we completely do not um but <laughs> it's not something that's like really amazing to watch like every stage from whenever you start to track it to whenever you think oh I hang on like she started to feel like I, I'm pregnant and I actually remember we're here in beautiful Scarborough and I, we live just up the road and we were walking on the hill back down from Trigg. And I think it was our first time trying for Evie. And Esther said near the bottom, she's like, something's different. Like, I'm pregnant. And I said there. Really? First time, like, stop talking shit. Like, this isn't, this it doesn't happen this fast. Oh, it, does, it will never happen like this. And then yeah. a few days, I think that was the weekend. And on that Monday, I got home from work and she had me the pregnancy test. So, like, even situation. just all those little moments, right? Like, from start, when you start to think about having a baby to the minute baby's here. And then, obviously, everything you see after that. Like, that can help you learn a lot about what your clients go through. Because either during the pregnancy or after it, like, you're living with the example of what your your clients are living with. So, yeah. and like you said, whatever percentage it was of women will have a baby in their life and they'll, they'll always be postpartum after that, right? So, yeah. like, pay attention to how your wife's feeling and be that supportive 
as supportive as you can, I guess, to her because that's what your clients are going to be going through in future years. So Yeah, a woman's intuition. And I'm sure that your eyes have been opened like massively from having that experience as well. And yeah. like having that, yeah, it's like an empathy towards your clients. Like I'm sure that there was like a whole different realm that was opened up for you after you saw your wife go through that with your clients who are postpartum. Yeah, 100%, yeah. And I think as well, like something that I probably heard somebody say, but like I probably marketed it like this as well at times because somebody said it and I thought it sounded really good, but like most moms will struggle to put themselves first after having a baby. Mm. And I've I probably always heard that for years and may have thrown it out in the odd post like trying to get new mums in or like mums who are ready to to train again yeah but until you actually see that and see everything that a mum does like mm. i i do what i think is my best and i'm not trying to like say that i'm not doing a good job but they will like literally rip their arm off if it's going to help their kid right and they will yeah. put themselves literally to the very very back of the queue but until you see that, you kind of—it was kind of just a statement for me, like, yeah. you know, are you tired of putting everyone else first before yourself? And yeah. you know, I never really understood it. I kind of mm -hmm. got it in my head. I was like, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. But until you actually see it, it's like, okay, now I see two babies. Now I totally understand. Firstly, why women feel like they've got to come last because it is—it does take a lot to to bring up kids. Yeah, but then also yeah all the little challenges day to day and, and why they might might start putting themselves then and then how to get past that as well so you're you're always learning it's like being a dad is it's it's always learning about your kids but it's also learning about your partner and everything else that they go through yeah and i absolutely one of my favorite things to do is ask people like you know it's usually women that i speak to about like their birthing experience and then postpartum and things like that because obviously I don't have kids of my own so I want to get as much information about yeah, yeah. that sort of thing to be able to talk about it and to have a conversation with someone but I can only imagine what it would be like after having grown like a human life inside your body yeah and then that thing is like the most precious becomes the most precious thing in the world to you so you want to protect that literally with your life yeah yeah but yeah, yeah i do think like what you're saying it's it's really important for women to you know you can't pour from an empty cup as well so taking time you know t for themselves and to to give back to themselves after what they've gone through as well whereas usually it's like once baby's here that's just the start, yep. right? Like it, the pregnancy is nothing. It's like once the baby see it, that's when the real work begins. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and so uh, Esther is eight. Evie's eight. Uh, Mabel's eight months. Sorry, Evie sorry. is two and a half. Your your wife is eight months postpartum. Oh no, sorry, sorry. Yeah, eight months postpartum. Is yeah. her name Esther? Did I Esther. Get yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, she's eight months postpartum, yeah, postpartum now. Postpartum, yeah. And so, how's her experience been? I guess like comparing. Uh, rehab from first baby to second baby is there any sort of difference um uh, i think she she had the physio done i can't remember who it was she went to she went to one of the, the top people um amazing and they did the full exam I, th I think as far as i know she did the internal exam to make sure everyone was good and she usually was women's much health physios will yeah. if it's like a gp 
Um, obstetrician gynecologist, if you have one, like they should. Mm -hmm. But I think it's sometimes when you go back to the GP, they don't necessarily do the full yeah, internal. Yeah. So it's, yeah, usually if you go to a women's health physio specifically, do it, they yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think she got the all clear pretty much six weeks and like it was actually the pelvic floor was quite strong from what I can remember saying, like without really overthinking the whole rehab thing or doing like tons of pelvic floor stuff. Mm. Um, she just got the pretty much all clear. So that's great, and yeah. and not too much tearing, no tearing or anything like that. Um, first time around, well, there was a bit. Second time was pretty pretty good in comparison. Awesome. The thing and is, she had as well, vaginal births just to. Whenever you have hands and stuff that can be moved around, like uh, I think that's what happened. Evie's hand was up by her face, which mm -hmm. obviously is gonna. Yeah. And as a guy, you're not gonna understand that or anything until you go through it. You know, it's like yeah. Until you see all this stuff, you li you literally would not believe it. So <laughs> right, I mean, like even just me learning this stuff, like I was like, that happens, that happens, that happens. Like yeah. it was literally like this morning I was um teaching like the postpartum section of our AWPT, and I was like, I hope I'm not gonna like put anyone off like yeah 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 <laughs> when I'm talking about this stuff. But yeah, when I was learning learning it i was like we literally do not learn this like even yeah. just growing up as women like you're not taught like what actually happens and the change that happens and the things that can happen yeah, and i'm yeah. sure there's still like many things we haven't spoken about or things that maybe i haven't heard from someone that happened that are just like not spoken about yeah and yeah, yeah what to expect as well yeah. like there's no manual there's no handbook yeah um so yeah like it's it's super interesting like i love it and i'm sure like it's opened your eyes a lot to help 100 percent, yeah with big your time. female clients as well um so i wanted to finish off with a question um because you you work with a lot of females actually before we we jump into that what's the biggest struggle that you find with coaching females like in the gym like and how do you help them through it um, I don't know. So I guess we could go nutritionally, we could go mentally, physically, like what, what angle, I guess you want to go down? Because everyone's going to be kind of different, I guess. But yeah. I uh, think let's go mindset yep. because, um, I think that's a big one. I think mindset is in absolutely everything. So yep. if we can get through those, like those mindset barriers, like as a male coach training females, even as like any coach training a female, like you know, you'll hear the whole, "Don't lift weights, you'll get bulky." And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do let's do a complete like um, clearance of like an entire macronutrient out of yeah. your out of your diet. Um, you know these fad diets and things like that. So that's like I think. Like, well-known, but, like, mindset-wise, what do you find? Um, it's a hard one. But I guess as a coach, probably, this is kind of related, but kind of kind of going a bit of a tangent from your question. But yeah, go for it. I think what a woman wants, regardless of whether it's a female or a male, will be that support element. Like, just to know that you've got their back or that you're you're quick to respond to or that you're actually listening to them a lot of the time. Um, personally, like I do a lot of video feedback in terms of the same with check-in, multiple different stages of the check-in um, in terms of pictures, self-evaluation forms, but they always get a video feedback from me with 
it's a my little face in the corner with all their data up and that yeah like a loom yeah like a loom recording yeah, yeah. so like that means that they'll feel a bit more connected to me it's they can actually see my thought process whenever i'm looking through everything and i'd load everything up and i deliberately do not look at any questions i might look at the data very briefly to see like what weight's doing or whatever when i'm loading it up but they can literally see the cogs going in my brain over a three to five minute video of their week and everything else in between and we go into detail about it like i had somebody sign up for the hybrid um a couple of weeks ago and the hybrid is like a group based program where it's Facebook elements, it's got calls multiple times a week, but it's personal program and nutrition and fortnightly check-ins. So she got her first check-in a week or so after she signed up. And I sent her the Loom video across, didn't think anything of it, and she replied saying, this is literally like you answered every question on the self-evaluation, you like acknowledged and you went through. And she's like, I just don't feel like a number with this. Mm -hmm. And like, it's only her first check-in, right? I haven't learned anything about her. Like in terms of when she gives me a score for sleep or stress, I don't know if that's a normal or how that's going to play out. It's going to take me probably three or four check-ins, like maybe eight to 12 weeks to really yeah. know, right, this is consistent where we run with things. Um, but she felt so supported and like just getting a message saying, I'm not a number with this coaching, which is what I felt in the past. Mm. Like that's what people want. They don't want to feel like they're a number. Yes, they're a number on your balance sheet and on your your accounting and everything. Like mm. they are a number. They're client number 47 out of 50 or whatever. But yeah. they're also Rochelle or Bo or yes. Amanda or whatever. Like, And they'll have their own little challenges and everything. And that's why I personally get them to self-reflect rather than me say, I think you need to do this or... Like question them, do you think this has happened with your measurements because of this? It's literally they fill in a type form with 20 to 30 questions like how's your sleep been? How's your energy? Why did you pick that score out of 10? Like, mm. So they've told me everything I need to know about their week that it literally just takes me two minutes and there's literally no back and forth of, yeah, why is your energy in the toilet? Like, It's literally I've got everything in front of me there and I'm yeah. acknowledging everything and I'm putting it into the picture of what needs to change and what what can we run with, I guess, and like tweak or do we need to just run with the consistent program and give it another two weeks or whatever between the check-ins, but you're taking every little thing into account, making them feel like they're supported and that you're there with them. And I think sometimes that video feedback can really help um, from my experience anyway. I absolutely love that because like you're 100% right. Like there, there is a person behind the screen, you yeah. know, if you are an online coach as well and you don't get that face-to-face contact. So having that support and that accountability for them, I think is number one. And I think as well, that's what also um, separates coaches as well from, you know, someone just feeling like a number with their coach and that coach just wanting to take their money yeah. versus that coach actually wanting to help someone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because you could look at like, you know, why they didn't, why didn't they lose weight this week? And then you look at like, oh, sleep was shit. Stress was high. Um, Let's not take calories back just yet. Let's focus on sleep and stress first, rather than like just put them into more of a deficit, which will probably put them under more stress, which will probably make their sleep even worse. Yeah. So I think that's awesome advice, Um, you know, from, for anyone listening, any coaches listening who, you know, are, thinking of transitioning to online like it doesn't just become it's not just easy like 
some people think, oh, I can just do online training and it's passive income. It's like, no, you still have to give to those clients. Yeah. And as well, like it, it's almost like you have to kind of do a little bit extra because if they're giving your video feedback, you don't have the ability to give them that tactile feedback yeah. as well. And, um, you know, you have to be extra careful with the language you use in terms of like video feedback giving them you know the instructions to help with their lifts because you can't see it from a 3d view and you know you can't touch them to sort of change the movement so you have to be you have to really think about the way that you're community you're communicating with your clients yeah, I think, 100%. Like online um, so going back to my last question that I wanted to ask you, so you have two little girls, so you have two daughters. Yep. What is a piece of advice or something that you want to instill in them as they grow up and as they sort of, you know, maybe it's something along their health and fitness journey or just as women growing up in today's society in general? Um, oh, that's a hard one because <laughs> I guess it's so early on like Evie's like Evie's at the stage now where she's getting really good at conversing with us like she's nearly three she's yeah two 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 and a half just over two and a half and like she comes on so much all the time so it's hard to imagine teaching her more than just you know what's this or what's that or why this daddy why that you know mm -hmm. so I guess it's it's a question that's always going to be evolving as they grow up but I guess if I could mold them into anything it's somebody who's strong who's confident who knows their worth in the world knows mm. their value also as as a man they always say you know that you look for like somebody like your dad and yeah. like we always joke because I'm kind of like Esther's dad a little bit, personality-wise. Oh, really? <laughs> um, like, different, but, like, maybe similar and, like, maybe certain uh, natures and things. Yeah. So, for me, like, as a dad, the main thing that I would probably, from now, would be, like, to treat them with that respect, obviously, where possible, but mm -hmm. respect, love, care, so they're always supported. And then that whenever they do go into the dating world, which... I'll get the <laughs> shot. I'll get the shotguns ready. I'm not quite ready for yeah, that. Yeah, no, you've got like what, like 15 years, 16. Yeah, years. I know a friend who hunts. He's got a couple of shotguns, so <laughs> I can I can always borrow That's those. That's just like the epitome of a dad joke, right yeah. there. Like my dad was like, "You're not dating till you're 35." I'm still not 35. Yeah. <laughs> but I just I also want to thank my partner Carl for setting up this podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, I guess it's um. If I can give them that love, the attention, I kind of show them like through both how I treat them and how I treat Esther, like what to look for. And if I've done that, that's mm -hmm. probably regardless of anything else I teach them. That'll probably be, big, be the biggest thing because I don't know, it's a long way off, but that's probably my worst fear right now is that they end up with somebody who's, you know, bad for them in any way or doesn't treat them right. Mm -hmm. Like... And that seems strange to say that when they're two and a half, right? But it's like the type of thing that's always way deep in the back of your mind, but it's still always there, you know? And yeah. if that's if that's the one thing to come out of being a dad and the, is that they value themselves, they know they're loved and they find somebody who yeah. does that for them, then I'm happy. So I literally got goosebumps right <laughs> now because, you know, we say it's a long time off, but actually like we're instilling like I'm not going to say where but like as parents you're instilling like 
you know, those patterns from such a young age as well. And like, I think the biggest thing is like when you said knowing their worth, like if you treat them in a way that shows them what they're worth, then they'll go out into the world being like, I'm not going to tolerate like bullshit behavior. I know I'm worth more. And so therefore that'll attract someone who's going to, yeah, hundred percent. Gonna show them that worth. Yeah, hundred percent. So that that I just worked that out. I didn't know the answer to that question when we started, but I just worked it out now. Yeah, I love <laughs> so thank that. you for that. We just went super deep. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Well, thank you so much, Oren, for jumping on the podcast today. I appreciate you coming down, doing this in person in Scarbs. Um, where can people find you? Instagram, Facebook, websites. Yeah, Instagram is Gym. probably my key thing i think if you type in coach O, you should probably find me or team omc mm-hmm. my name is spelled slightly different being irish so it's o-d-h-r-a-n type in o-d-h there's not going to be many or many things around perth starting like that so. i was like to carl is the d silent like, yeah, I was like, yeah. is it odrin like yeah. it's like no it's silent yeah it's silent i if people call me odrin i still respond because i know it's not their fault that it's spelled so funny yeah <laughs> so it's still english yeah so um yeah o-d-h-r-a-n-m-c-c-o-r-r-y um or we now follow each other on Instagram, so you can go to Kayla's thing and you can um, type in OD and hopefully it'll come up. <laughs> yeah, and we'll put it all in the show notes and yeah, everything awesome. and the Instagram post. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank that was you for like an me. awesome conversation. First male coach that we've had on I'm the honored. podcast. Such an honor, <laughs> yes. We'll chat to you soon. Thank you.